Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your promise of being with us. Thank you for being with us. Father, thank you for loving us completely. That there isn't an area of our love, our life that you do not love. And that you want to love us to completion. And today is just another opportunity for us to, to expose our hearts and our lives and our spirit to you and say, Father, fill us with you. Fill everything about us with you. So we ask that you would come. That you would come and you would speak through me. That you would empty me of me. You take everything that's not, not you today. And toss it aside so that your words, your heart, your spirit, your, your wisdom, everything that you would want to express to us is heard and received. And able to digest and put into, into our lives in a way that is worship to you. Because we want to worship you in everything that we do. And even in these words that I'm, I hope to share that it's from your heart, really is, I offer it up as worship to you. So take it, consume it, and bring forth your life in it. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you ever have an itch that you couldn't, couldn't reach? You know, you just, you just can't get there. So you use anything that's close by to try to, to scratch that itch. You, you might use a stick. You might use a fork. I use a fork a lot. You might use the side of a wall to kind of like a bear does and kind of trying to get that. But you might use a, a sword. Okay, maybe not a sword because we have lots of those in the house and that would not be good. But the point is that you're so desperate, you might try anything to get to that itch because, you, you know, you get like you, you can't get it. It drives you crazy. You know, and an itch could be described as a... Uh, a relentless desire. A relentless desire. People, you know, in the less economy of human beings, we sometimes say we have an itch to do something, to go somewhere, to, to try something new in our lives. So there's even this weird thing called the seven-year itch. It's a strange terminology to use when one of the spouses gets kind of disenchanted with the marriage and they, they're, they're itching for something more. But that actually came from an actual skin condition about a few hundred years ago, where parasites actually used to get underneath the skin and, I guess, for seven years drive people crazy. This seven-year itch. I have an itch this morning that I can't scratch. I'm very itchy today. Not physically, but there's something in my spirit that is making me just have this relentless desire to see something happen. This is the sixth year anniversary of our church. Bridge Brothers has been a church for six years. Six wonderful years. I'm looking out today, and the people that were here six years ago, this, this, the scope of the people is, is far different. The landscape of people is different. For the most part, everyone here is new. Six years later. And from the start, even I wasn't here at the start. There's only a few people here that were from the very beginning of Bridge Builders. And I really want to mark this six-year anniversary by talking about the seventh year, the year to come. Six years is actually a very long time for, for a church plant to be in existence. Six years is a long time for a church plant. By the seventh year is really what most people who study these things call the make-it-or-break-it year. 
It's the year where the churches have this seven-year itch almost. Whether they, and they make a decision whether or not they go on with God's vision for them, with God's planning for them, or they decide to fold. I wanted to talk about a strong, relentless desire that I think God wants to implant. And it has been implanting on us from the very start. There is so much to celebrate. You know, we've had six wonderful years of firm foundation building. Tim and Ginny have done so much, have sacrificed so much for us. The foundation that they build by giving, by serving, by speaking life into all of us is, deserves to be applauded, even though they would want none of it. They wouldn't want any applause. They would think it was their reasonable service, what they had to give, what the Father was asking them to do. And they did it with joy and with love and grace. And they have helped build us such a firm foundation for us to build on. It's, it, we need to celebrate that. We need to thank God for it because God has been so faithful to this, to this small body of believers for six awesome years. We've heard a lot of words. We've, we've seen some healings. We've seen people come get healed, and go other places. How great is that? That people continue to walk with God healed because God did something for them here. Tremendously, tremendously awesome to, to have experienced and to be a little bit proud of, too. The result of those six years for me has left me itching for more. If you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 5. Verses 14 and 15 and 16, sorry. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a a lamp and put it underneath a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I read that scripture hoping that it would start to scratch the itch. But I think all it did was made me itchy even more. There's something about those group of scriptures that echoes Jesse's heart this morning. About being light. About being light to the world. And I think maybe it is hard to maybe think about light this morning when there's so much darkness. And I personally, I, I strain at every, every flash of media that goes across my eye about the darkness that's in this world. This horrific, horrible, awesomely devastating stuff that's happening in people's lives all across the world. And then I started to think how dark everything looks when all I do is concentrate on the darkness. How dark everything appears to be when all I do is concentrate on the darkness. And then I think, okay, well, how, can I re- how can I effectively respond to this darkness in this world? What is my response? And I have none. So I have to look at what the, how the Father responds to darkness. And the most wonderful thing is that Father God responded to the darkness by sending His Son, the light of the world. 
He didn't send a political solution. He didn't set a new policy. He didn't set an armed force to settle or to dispel the darkness. He sent his son, Jesus, to dispel the darkness. And if this morning we call Jesus our Lord and Savior, if we have bent our knee to the Messiah, the scripture says that he is sending us as light as well to dispel the darkness. It says, you are the light of the world. And I say, really? Me? Have you, have you checked out my life lately? Me? The light of the world? Us? The light of the world? Didn't Jesus himself say that he was the light of the world? What's, what's the deal with that? In John eight twelve, Jesus does make two bold statements. He says, bold statement number one, he says, yes, I am the light of the world. But he doesn't stop there. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Simply put, us and all our brothers and sisters across the planet that, that have called him Master and Messiah, we are bearers of that same light. It's something that we just cannot hide. And then I think of a question, I think... Then why do we feel or think that we're so powerless to dispel the darkness? Light is supposed to be different. It's supposed to to stand out and stand up. Overpowering darkness and exposing all the hidden things. Light calls out things and light draws in things. Ephesians 5 encourages us to walk as children of light. I believe that light is part of our natural state as children of the king. The scripture says, let your light shine by the way you walk, by the way you talk, by the things that you do, by the way that you give yourself to the Father's plans. So that people can see your, your deeds, your works, your actions, and know that it relates back to the relationship that you have with the Father. The Greek word for deeds here, it means an attractive, an outward sign of the inward good. Attractive, an outward sign of the inward good. We are the light of the world. If Jesus is in our heart, guess what? These hearts are good. If he lives within our hearts, these hearts are good. Because he's there. Because he's there. Because he lives there. Because he's enthroned there. So we do this before the world. We show off, not ourselves by doing these things. We show off the generous, gracious love of Father God. And we demonstrate that love in how we live. Light is that powerful. All right. So I'm itchy, and I'm full of light. What's with the circle? I want to talk about a vision. I had this vision. I've had this vision for a few months. Mike and I started to talk about it the other night. I told Mike that I had this vision. I drew an imaginary circle around our location, where we are right now, a mile in diameter. I said, do do a circle around the chapel. So I drew an imaginary circle around the chapel. One mile. In diameter. As Mike and I started to talk about this, and I said, this is what God was telling me, that that, that circle was the people that we were, we were supposed to reach. That we are supposed to be a city upon a hill, a lampstand too. So we started to talk about numbers. We talked about, you know, there's, there's probably about 21,000 people plus living in High Park. So we were trying to guesstimate, estimate what, what amount of people might actually be living in that circle. And we came up with a number of 5,000. 
5,000 people we estimate to live in this circle. We're a small band of believers. If everyone shows up, we run about 50. It's a nice, solid number. Most small churches in America are 75 or 70. We're a nice, solid number. But my question is this. Maybe you're even getting there already. How can 50 reach 5,000? See why, Mitchie? How can 50, a group of 50 individuals whose hearts are good because they've been made and redeemed by Lord Jesus Christ, who have been commanded to let their lights shine before all men, how can we reach 5,000 people? 5,000 people wouldn't even fit in this building. Over 2,000 years ago, 12 men changed the face of this planet. We don't have to worry about the math. This is good for me because I'm terrible at it. Michael said it last week. God is always multiplying. I love that. God is always multiplying. We don't have to worry about the math. We just have to be light. And since that's a natural state of a, of a son and daughter of the Most High, it's nothing that we have to work up. The light of God has been deposited in us by the, by the infilling of the, of the Holy Spirit. We can't hide it. It cannot be hidden, the scripture says. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. I have a vision that 50 people can reach 5,000. Because God is always multiplying. His light wants to shine through our attitudes, through our words and our actions. And when people see that our lives have been changed, when they see redeemed people, guess what? They can actually maybe believe that there is actually a redeemer. Walking in the light reveals the redemptive work of God in our lives. So why the circle? A few years ago, in a very cheesy caveman type movie called 10,000 BC, a very cheesy movie, the best thing about that movie was the saber-toothed tiger, I think. However, the young son of the leader of the, of the clan, who was attempting to become leader himself, was having a hard time adjusting to all these things. And his mentor says this quote to him. And I've never forgotten this quote. It's a quote that stuck with me. And here it is. A good man draws a circle around himself and cares for those within. His woman, his children. Other men draw a larger circle and bring within, their, within that circle their brothers and sisters. But some men have a great destiny. They must draw around themselves a circle that includes many, many more. Your father was one of those men and you must decide for yourself whether you are as well. And it reminded me of this scripture in 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Jesus drew this humongous circle by laying down his life for us, including many, many, many more. God is always multiplying. So what does that mean for us, reaching this circle? What does it look like? How do we draw circles that include many, many more, laying down our lives in the process? Those are all the questions that I have, and you probably have a few dozen more to go along with it. One of the properties of light is that it travels out in all directions from its source. And so must we. 
we must be willing to go where Jesus tells us to go. We must speak what the Lord tells us to say. And we must be willing to touch those that nobody else is willing to touch. You are the light of the world. This passage of scripture is in, this, in the greatest sermon that was ever preached. The Sermon of the Mount. Jesus lays out the kingdom life for all of us. It's an awesome demonstration of his authority, his ability to teach and reach multitudes of people. This is a, such an awesome time that people who have heard this are astonished, the Bible says, at his authority, his command of the situation, his command of his words, his command of what the kingdom really should be like. He lays it out, what the kingdom looks like, how we should act within the kingdom, and what our response is to the Father's call in this kingdom. It's an awesome sermon. It's the best sermon that will ever be preached. Jesus is really at the, at the height of his popularity at this point, in a sense. He's got a lot of people's attention. At the end of the sermon, he comes down off the mountain, and something fantastically significant comes that you could say, if you look at it one way, could discredit Jesus from all those opinions that people had about him. A man with leprosy approaches Jesus and says, please heal me. And Jesus says, I will. And he touches him to heal him. Jesus touches a man with leprosy. A man with leprosy, a person with leprosy was considered unclean by Jewish law. And if you touched that person, you were now defiled. You were now considered unclean. You were in essence condemned to the same fate as that person. To be ostracized. Jesus does this right after the greatest sermon that was ever preached. Demonstrating what the kingdom was all about. He talks about the kingdom. He teaches about the kingdom. And he says, you know what? I'm going to demonstrate the kingdom for you. I'm going to go to a person who is untouchable. I am going to touch him and I'm going to heal him. Wow. Wow. Let your deeds so shine before men so that your Father in heaven is glorified. Jesus was always about his Father's business. And his Father's business was bringing redemption. And Jesus says, I have these, all these words are important. This is why I'm telling you these words. I'm going to lay out the kingdom to you. I'm going to show you and tell you what it's like. I'm going to teach you. And I'm hoping that you take these words and you impart into your life. But not only that, I'm going to go demonstrate it for you right away. So that you have no doubt what the kingdom is about. This is what the kingdom is about. It's about being light in a dark place so that people, see this is a great thing about light. It, It not only reveals things, it shows people a way out. Oh, glory, hallelujah. That's the greatest thing about light. And you are in a dark place, and you can't see your way out of a room, and you don't usually move. Somebody flicks out a light in the hallway, and all of a sudden you see a way out. Can 50 people reach 5,000 people? Not without God. Not without Him. And frankly, I wouldn't want to do it without Him. That man with leprosy needed the light of the world to draw him to a circle that included acceptance as well as healing. Light travels out from all directions from the source. And that source is the redemptive, powerful, life-changing love of Father God, otherwise known as the gospel. 
otherwise known as the gospel. So in the weeks and months ahead, I hope we can tackle those questions together. See, we need to celebrate our six years. Oh, yes, we do. And we should give praise and glory and honor to God for all that he's done during the six years. But if we don't move on from those six years, the work that Tim and Ginny did and other people did to lay that foundation, we've got to move on. I want this seventh year to be a, 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 a moment of time that really defines who we are as a body of believers. I think God wants that. That's why he had us draw a circle. That will include many, many more. Again, 5,000 people cannot fit in this building. And I'm not saying that we've got to go build a building that fits 5,000. I'm saying that we've got to be ready to whoever walks into that door, that we'll accept them and touch them. And if they come here and get healed and go someplace else, well, glory, hallelujah, they're in the kingdom. What does it matter what building they choose to sit in on a Sunday morning? It doesn't. Yes, I, look, I, want, I would love every place built so that we could touch and, and know more people. I, believe me, that would be great. But it's more important that they're in the kingdom. We're supposed to reach people. I don't know how that's going to look. Some of you do have an idea. Of that, some of you are evangelists. We have a Brazilian evangelist today. Just a heart for people. A love for people. That's it. Some of you are prophets. Some of you are have an apostolic gifting. Some of you are teachers. Some of you might be shepherds. In the months ahead, we're going to be talking about the fivefold ministry in ways that probably have not been talked about in the church, in the church in a long time. But it's time. We've been operating at 40% of capacity with just dealing with shepherds and teachers for the past 40 years in the American church. It's time to stop. There are three other offices and giftings that need to be taught and teased and expressed and urged out of people. We're a city that cannot be hidden, the Bible says. We cannot be hidden. So as we journey together, next week I want to talk a little bit more about the circle, but I want to talk about breathing, bread, and bridges. Breathing, bread, and bridges. And I'll tell you what that's going to be if you come back next week.